Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen. Oh man, that what an incredible time as we lead in to worship today. And I'm so grateful that he is a way maker, that he is working all things together for those that love him. He is conforming us to His image, that He is working even when we can't see it, even when we may not be able to feel it. We are grateful today to be uh, jumping back into 1 Peter. We walked, we were walking uh, verse by verse uh, through the letter, uh, through this letter uh, leading up to Christmas, and we paused for a few weeks and had finished chapter 2, and so today we're going to jump back in uh, to 1 Peter chapter uh, number three, so if you want to take your copy of God's Word, that's where we will land at uh, here in just a few moments. As we get started, I had read uh, this story, uh, a story about a guy that was walking uh, down the beach, and uh, he had uh, kind of cruising along, and all of a sudden he saw a, a lamp that was sticking up just a little bit, and so he sees that and reaches down and picks it up and rubs the side, and <laughs> out pops a genie, and so he's there, he's pretty excited. The genie says, well, you know, you can have uh, one wish. And he says, well, this is awesome. He says, I- I've always wanted to go to Hawaii. But he said, I'm so afraid of flying. He said, I don't want to, I mean, I'm afraid of an airplane. So would love for you to um, just build a bridge for me that would stretch from California to Hawaii. And I could just drive uh, my car there and I could enjoy uh, just the time there. And the genie said, oh, you got to be kidding me. He says, I do you understand how much concrete that's going to take? He said, you understand all the supplies? I can't do that. I mean, you got to pick something else. And so the guy says, well, he said, I've always wanted to understand women. He said, specifically, specifically my wife. And he said, if I would, it would be so awesome if you could just give me the ability to understand women from now just for the rest of my life. And he says, okay, okay. He says, let's talk about the bridge. Two lanes or four. Um, You know, it, it's funny to say that, but we're going to look in a passage of Scripture today that really just engages some things about husbands and wives, and I want to remind you that God understands. God understands women, He understands men, He understands the way that He has wired us, the way that He has made us. Uh, God created marriage. You know, we live in a culture that works very hard to redefine marriage, to redefine what all that looks like. I want to remind you that God designed it, that we don't get to define it, and when we walk in God's plan, there's something beautiful that takes place. It's number one, it's beautiful to the world. Number two, it's beneficial to the world. And most importantly, it declares the gospel to the world. Now, I recognize when we jump into a passage like this that there are all kinds of different people in the room. There are people that uh, are single. There are people that have been divorced. There are people that long to be married. There are people that are married. There are all kinds of different relationships, all kinds of different things. And I want to remind you that the end goal of all relationships, the end goal of, of all things is that we might bring glory to God. And so you may be thinking today, well, I'm single. I should have slept in. This would have been a good day to... Uh, to just kind of hang out and, and do nothing. Maybe you're online and you're saying, well, if this is going to be a message about marriage, maybe I should check out. I want to ask you just to stick with me. I, I, I believe that no matter where you're at, that if you'll lean in close today as we look at God's plan for the family, as we look at God's design, you, you're going to see something beautiful. Now, I, I want to recognize that if you're divorced in this room, we never desire to highlight and beat uh, uh, anything up from someone's past. We desire to embrace and come alongside uh, folks, as we look toward the future, and we believe uh, that, that we want to do our best to help prepare for the future, and we also believe that those that have walked through some of those difficult times, that God uh, can take those people in those situations, and He can allow you to, to engage and, and help others uh, as they uh, are equipped and blessed. And so, a couple things that we seek about it, I want to talk to single people for just a minute. There's a couple of attitudes that I see sometimes. Um, Sometimes I see an attitude that says, you know what, I'm never going to get married. 
And maybe you've seen a picture of marriage that wasn't that attractive. Maybe you've seen uh, things that you say, you know what, I'm never going to be married. Maybe that's the, the place that you're at. Uh, the other extreme is on a different level, and there's this pursuit of uh, this feeling of inadequacy without it, that this is uh, just the main thing. And, and a lot of times people believe and we think that somehow marriage is going to fix whatever problems that we are dealing with, right? I, I, we think somehow that marriage is going to take care of that, but marriage doesn't fix emptiness. Marriage exposes emptiness. Marriage doesn't create problems, but it highlights those problems and it reveals those problems. It magnifies those problems. So my encouragement to every person in this room is to love who you are where you are and use where you are and who you are to bring glory to Him. Whether that's a single person that has time right now that they can invest in a greater way in, in progressing the kingdom of God, uh, we want to allow God to shape us because God's working in the midst of wherever we're at to conform us to the image of His Son if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And he, our desire is that God would shape us wherever we are to be used by Him wherever we're going. So we want to allow God to make us who He wants us to be, to look like Him wherever we are, that we might be prepared for wherever He is taking us. Because the end goal is not marriage, it's not singleness, it is to grow in the likeness of Him, to be conformed to His image. And so if you're pursuing marriage, if you're single and you're pursuing marriage, it's my hope that you are pursuing Jesus and, and that as you are pursuing Jesus, that you will find someone that is running alongside you that is pursuing Him as well. See, the goal of dating and the goal of, of marriage is to marry someone that would be equally yoked with you in pursuit of the kingdom. Now, I brought in this cool thing here, and, and, and you're going to see a picture on the screen of, uh, of a couple of animals yoked together. You can see that, and that's kind of the traditional thing that we picture when we picture yoked. And I wanted to show you that picture because we don't use that word a whole lot. Like anybody used that in your class uh, last week, you know, you're like, yeah, um, um, yoked together. I mean, we just don't use that, right? It's not a common word in some of the newer translations that you might use. You might see bound together, uh, but this is really a beautiful picture, and when they would yoke these animals together, together they could accomplish something that is incredible, but there's something that's key, and, and there was a key that they would be equally yoked together, and and it would be in this perspective of, of uh, the work that they're doing, there's this perspective of uh, maybe being equal in strength and equal in size. And maybe most importantly is that these two animals would be trained to be obedient to the command of the master. And by their obedience to the command of the master, can you imagine if these two things try to go different directions, one's trying to back up, one's trying to go forward? It just doesn't work. And when we think about this call that we see, and the Apostle Paul gives this call or this command that we would, be, uh, we would not be unequally yoked. That's the wording that we use. It comes uh, from 2 Corinthians 6 in verse 14. And the Scripture says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion light with darkness. And so when, when you look to someone that you are going to date, you, the, the, the pursuit of that is to find someone that is running after Jesus in the way uh, that you are. And my hope is that if you're single, that you'll let them find you as they're finding Jesus, as they're running toward Jesus, as they're pursuing uh, Him. Because the goal of marriage is to bring God glory, right? We see that marriage is something that takes place temporarily. Here we know that, that the Scripture teaches us that, that marriage is not in heaven. Scripture says neither is there marriage or they given in marriage, that they're like the angels. We see that there's this temporary basis of it. The, the last marriage class that we did was really this perspective that we needed to live our marriages in light of eternity. And we need to look and recognize that they're making an eternal difference. And so that goal is to proclaim the gospel, to bring God glory. And God's desire for families is that we become one flesh. When you think about being equally yoked, you think about this, this going together in the same direction, there's this, this purpose and this goal as people come together that they become one flesh. And there's one thing to say we become one flesh, but there's something entirely different to live our lives and to be married and to express that in a way of oneness. Now, there's, there's just this reality that when we when we live life as one, we express the gospel and we, and we, experience, joy, excuse me, we experience joy in this world. And, and 
we think about the way a man and woman interact, and when they function in the way God intends, it's incredible. Now, a lot of people say, well, what does Jesus say about marriage? And I want to share a couple of verses with you. Jesus shares, he's, he's being questioned about marriage and divorce, and in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 19, in verse 4, Scripture says, and he answered and said, have you not read, he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now, Jesus is quoting from Genesis chapter 2, and I want to remind you that God made us different to make us one. We use this word oneness, and we think about this word, and, and there's a battle that's going on for oneness in our marriages. There's a battle that's going on. Fact is, everything in this world is battling to keep us from functioning in that way. Uh, whether it be finances, there are things that we, you know, we, the reason that we engage in Financial Peace University and that, that we engage in uh, these marriage studies, when you look at all these different things that are going on uh, in our life, we, we think, well, that's finances and we, my wife and I can be in a, a different place on that. But what happens is when we're in a different place when it comes to those kind of things, it's, it's, it is uh, impacting in the way that the oneness is experienced in every aspect of our life. And so there's this, this engagement that we want to we do as we walk uh, together that we would experience this oneness. In 1 Peter chapter number 3, which is where we're going to pick up today, I just want to read uh, verses 1 through 7 together. Then we're going to pray and then we're going to jump in and just really look at what this uh, looks like just practically in our lives. And so, uh, 1 Peter chapter number 3, beginning in verse 1. Scripture says this, In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that, if, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, that they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not, only, uh, must not be merely external, braiding, the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by fear. You husbands, in the same way, Live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful, Lord, that you have given us your word, God, that it might transform us, Lord, and that we might learn, God, your design and your plan and your ways, Father. And I pray, God, that in the power of your spirit, God, that you would help us this morning to receive your word, God, I pray that you would help me, uh, God, not to speak my own thoughts and my own things, Lord, but that your word might be proclaimed, Lord, and that we might, uh, in response to your word, God, be changed from the inside out, Lord. God, we are desperate for you, Lord. We're desperate to hear from you, God. We're desperate, uh, Lord, just for you to give us the strength to, uh, to be obedient to you, Lord. God, we pray, Father, that you would uh, just meet us where we're at, Lord, and that you might, uh, God, just change us and transform us to look more like you. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as we read these words, what we're going to navigate today is radically different than what you'll hear in culture. It's going to seem radically different than what you'll see on TV. You know, you might read these words, and you might hear somebody say, well, you know, surely that's not for today. Uh, surely this must be dated things that doesn't apply to us today. And, and I want to just encourage you to hang with me. I want to encourage you, um, you know, as, as a church that just walks verse by verse through the scriptures, we uh, recognize that it takes the whole counsel of God's word to make whole Christians, that we uh, just walk uh, through the scriptures individually, and we don't shy away from any of those. If, if I was preaching on marriage, I would probably pick, pick Ephesians 5 if it was just a, a topical desire. But this is where we're at, and I'm amazed at how God meets us in those moments. And so I want to give you this big idea first. And so the, the place that we're going is this, that through loving 
leadership and humble submission, something beautiful happens in our marriages that declares something beautiful to the world. So through loving leadership and humble submission, something beautiful happens in our marriages that declares something beautiful to the world. And so we're going to look at this message title, The Gospel According to Your Marriage. The Gospel According to Your Marriage. Now, 1 Peter chapter number 3, that very first verse says, in the same way. And this, this picture of in the same way as we were walking through chapter 2, there was this general theme that we were pointing to that said we're going to live our lives and that we're called to live our lives in a way that remembers that the world is watching. Now we read in this passage, it says, in the same way you wives, so he speaks to the wives first, and he says, be submissive to your own husbands. Now, this thought of submission, this, uh, the, the definition of the word submit is this picture of ordering uh, oneself under another. Adrian Rogers said maybe my favorite quote on submission, and he said this, He said, submission is one equal voluntarily placing himself under another equal that God may be glorified. I love that thought. I love that picture. As we've walked through 1 Peter, uh, we looked at this call to submission to human governments in uh, verses maybe 13 and 14 of chapter 2. Then we looked later at this... uh, call to submission for servants and masters, and we applied some of that even to employers and employees later in chapter 2. We're looking today at wives to husbands, and then we're going to see something uh, in this passage for the men, so hang on because you, uh, you want to get there. Uh, chapter 5 of 1 Peter, we see that there's this relationship between elders and young men. We see this kind of perspective, but what we see in 1 Peter is that everything in life is to be conducted with order. It's to be conducted with honor, and it's to be conducted with respect. Now, 1 Peter starts out, if you remember when we first began, he says, this is who you are in Christ. Remember when we were looking at it, and he said that, that he has caused you to be born again in chapter 1 into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead? Man, just an incredible passage, and he says, this is who you are, right? Chapter 1, we see just this picture of who we are in Christ, and it's important for us to remember who we are in Christ. And then he says, because of who you are in Christ... As we just dig into God's Word, He says, this is how you live in culture. This is how you live as exiles, right, in a foreign land. He said, we're strangers, we're pilgrims. And He says that we're living in a place that's radically different. But He says, because of who you are in Christ, this is how you live in that culture. Now, this passage has nothing to do with women being inferior in any way. Uh, Verse 7 gives us this picture of of this fellow heir of the grace of life, this picture of of equal. But God has ordained marriage for a great purpose. And that number one purpose is that it might reveal himself uh, through a husband and wife. And there's this pattern that is set up for order. There's this goal of harmony. There's this goal uh, of oneness in the home that is according to his plan. And so you see those commercials all the time or you see people do something like a trick uh, and they do something that's dangerous and they'll say, do not try this at home. Have y'all heard that? I want to remind you today, only, only try this at home. This is not designed for any other relationships. This is not designed for workplaces or government or society. Peter's not saying that women are supposed to do this. He says, your own husband. So he says that uh, in verse, um, verse 1, he says, Be submissive to your own husband, so that if any of them are disobedient to the word, that they may be one without a word by the behavior of their wives. Now, there's something really neat in this passage, and this really hits home to me. Many of you know my story. Uh, when I was a, a young child, I responded uh, with a bunch of other kids at a vacation Bible school. There was a message that was preached, and with the best of intentions by that pastor, he said something like, if you don't want to go to hell, come forward, and it seemed like a really good idea. Okay, I mean, it's not... You know, it, that's what I remember, you know, in those moments. And so, so I, I repeated some kind of prayer as a very young child, and I had no understanding of the gospel, had no conviction of my sin, no uh, understanding of, of repentance and faith, of surrender, uh, any of those things. And, and so I lived much of my life, and I would have told you, like, if you asked me, Jason, are you a Christian? Then I would say, of course I'm a Christian. And I repeated this prayer after somebody, or I, I, I did that. And by the way, you won't, you won't find that uh, in the Scriptures. You won't find that. 
Uh, now, now, there's things about that, that that line up with things, but, but you, will, you will not find anywhere that it says that we become a Christian by repeating a prayer after someone, uh, but through uh, repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, right, that we are saved. And so here I was as someone who would say they're a believer. So my wife thought I was a believer. She, I said, of course I'm a Christian. I got saved when I was little. But, but listen, there was never anything that changed about my life. Nothing was ever any different. And so we got married, and we began to do that. And she loved Jesus and is following Jesus. And what she wanted to do was do things like go to church, regular. I was like, that's good. It's <laughs> not, seriously. Like, I'm only off two Sundays a week at that time. I mean, that's a really good day for fishing. Like, I, I mean, and so she wanted to go to church regularly. And, and then she had some strange things, like she wanted to go more than one time a week. Like, I'm thinking. And then she wanted to do things like give to the church. And I'm like, well, he got no money. <laughs> like, where are you coming from? And so at the beginning, and she used this word when we were talking about this, she began to nag me about it. That's, that's the word that she used, so I'm not using that um, outside of her, her agreement with that. But she would kind of press in on that. And all it did was kind of pull me a different direction. But there was a time that she was convicted, and there was a time that she just began to say, you know what, if you're not going, and I understand that what, you know, this is why I'm going, and here's what I'm doing. And so she began to just live for Jesus, and just in a quiet spirit as an example of what it looked like to follow Jesus and to, to give your life and to work and do that. And, and, man, God began to convict my heart in that. And I began to say, you know what, I think I want to go to church. And so I started going to church with her, right? And in the midst of all that, I started doing other things in church. And on December 20th of, December 27th of 2002, I heard the gospel preached with clarity, right? And the Word of God, as it was preached, 2 Corinthians 5.17 said, if there's anyone in Christ that he's a new creature, that old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. And I recognized that in my life that if there's no change, then there's no Jesus. And that day, I fell on my face before a holy God, and I, I surrendered my life to Jesus, and I believed by faith in the finished work of the gospel, and I was changed in a moment. And all of a sudden, I want you to know something. I wanted to go to church. I loved going to church. The songs, I mean, the choir, sometimes they were off, and I'd think, I can't believe that they're singing this, and I can't believe that. And all of a sudden, I love love those songs. And all of a sudden, I love being engaged in those things. Everything changed in a moment without, the, without speaking a word. She lived it in front of me. And that's what Peter says. He says that they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. So it may be people that are not walking in obedience to the word. It may be those that were, uh, un, that were not Christians at that time. There's this thought by many commentators that, that in this time the gospel was going forth and there were people, these ladies were coming to faith in Christ and their husbands were unbelievers. And Peter's given some instruction there, but he says that they, they're one without a word by the behavior of their wives. Verse 2 is they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Verse 3, your adornment must not be merely external, braiding of the hair and wearing gold jewelry and putting on dresses. I want you to think about how you got ready for a date when you were dating. So, so ladies I, and, and guys, too, you can think about this pursuit of our spouse. So there's this time that we're uh, looking at this dating relationship, and you're getting everything just right. You're getting ready. Some of you uh, young uh, folks, maybe teenagers that are in the room, and, and maybe uh, young adults, you're thinking of how, how fixed up you get just to go to Walmart, how fixed up you get just to, to do those kind of things. You think about those kind of things. And he says, your adornment must not be merely external. Now, this passage is not saying there's anything wrong necessarily with uh, looking nice or doing those kind of things, but there's this picture in here that a, that a woman, that a wife pursues her husband by showing. I want you to, to hear that. There's going to be another way that we look at what men do, but pursue your husband by showing. And this is the way that, that men are uh, connected, right? There's nothing wrong with, with looking nice. Men are visually wired. Um, we are visually wired. That, that's part of who we are. And Peter knew that this was something that women would do, that they would dress up, that they would look nice. And he gives this picture of putting on dresses and uh, gives this picture of this frequent changing of clothing. I'm surprised that the Lord didn't direct him to speak to men some more in that because I've been a single guy, and I remember, like, as a single guy, you just sniff and wear like, you just leave it in the floor for however long. Like some of you guys can relate to that. You're like, oh, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's like another week, right? So it, we could use some more change in the clothes, okay? And, and so here's this thing. 
So God's not saying that there's anything wrong with a woman wanting to be pretty or dress nice or those kind of things. But He's saying it's not to be the main thing. He says in verse 4, Let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle, quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. Now some of you might say my husband doesn't deserve uh, to, to be uh, treated that way, to, to have this gentle, quiet spirit. I want you to understand it didn't say to do this because your husband deserves it. He said to do this because it's precious in the sight of God. Now, God honors this. And, and I, I just want to say, when you, when you look at these things and you see this way that a woman lives, I want to just point out and clarify in the midst of this culture that we live in that Peter in no way is condoning abuse from either uh, either spouse to another, right? That this is not saying that someone is in a marriage and they're uh, just to be uh, abused or, or, or uh, treated uh, badly and those kind of things. This is not something that's there. And if that's something that, that you are walking through, uh, we long as a church to come alongside you or to get the help that is needed to come alongside you uh, first to make sure that you're safe uh, and then uh, to engage in this together. So this is nothing pointing in that direction. But there's this picture of being one without a word and he gives this Old Testament example in verse 5 he says for this way in former times the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves being submissive to their own husbands just as Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by fear now I just want to point out one thing right here and we're going to jump into the men men um don't ask her to call you Lord okay I'm just saying I don't think that's going good I'm just saying, we're not going to dig into that too much, but, but it gives the women six verses, an Old Testament example, and then he's going to elbow drop the men in one verse, and he's going to give them a, a threat that should make every man in this room uh, look up. And, and here's what they get, verse 7, and we're going to land this plane. He says, you husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Wives, they pursue by showing, by the look and their life, right? They pursue in that way. And men, we pursue our wives by knowing. We pursue our wives by knowing. He said, in the same way, you as husbands live with your wives in an understanding way. There's this desire that we must have. And and it points out something, and I want to just recognize this before we go on. It says, as someone weaker. Now, this is generally speaking that... Uh, most of you ladies in the room, I can beat arm wrestling. I'm not saying all of you, like some of y'all probably been working out like CrossFit or something. But, but generally speaking, there's this perspective of that. But, but this is not um, you know, anything that, that is, is looked at as less than, but it's just the reality and the way that God has uh, made us and the way that He has designed us. And Paul admonished, right, husbands in Ephesians 5, to love their wives sacrificially as Christ loved the church. Now, how does she feel love? The only way that we can know that is to know her. And so we started out with this kind of joke of of it being hard to know them. The only way that we know our spouse is by spending time with them, by engaging them, and with a desire to know them. And, And it may change. One thing I've noticed about my family when there was a season where Sherry needed me to serve her in a different way. I was going in at like 3 or 4 in the morning, and I was working, and then I was coming here and, and working in the evening after that, and she was, our kids were young, and she was having to pack lunches and get them off to babysitter and do all these kind of things. And when I came on full-time as a, as a pastor here, uh, I had a different schedule in the morning, and so I was able to get up early, and what I, I get up and I serve my family, and I pack lunches, and I engaged, and all those things were different. But, but over time, there's different needs, and the way that I know them is because she tells me, listen, we, we, we're... Us guys, we can't just know, we can watch and we can learn, but we also need to have conversations and we need to understand. And what I learned from her was what she needed was my time. She needed me to sit down in front of her and to talk to her, mostly listen, because that's just how some of that works, right? And so we learn by that and we know her. When, when we get a, a new, when we get a vehicle and something's broken, I buy the, the, the Hilton's, you know, manual or the whatever, and I read it, and I learn what, how the thing ticks, and I take the wheel off, and I fix it, or I work on the motor, or whatever those things are there. But what I figured out is there's no owner's manual for our wives. There's no owner's manual that gives us every detail, but yet we are to live with our wives in an understanding way that we might know her, that we might show her honor. So look at this. It says that we 
that we show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Now, this, this show her honor. Guys, hear me on this. Lean in. When we show her honor, we are preferring her above ourselves. That's the picture of this loving, sacrificial leadership that he's uh, called us to. We show her that she is before us. We show her that, that, that preference is given to her. We honor her and we use any strength. See, he's, he's given this picture of this strength that's there and this authority that's there. And he's saying that as a man that we are to honor her and we're to show her preference by using any strength, any authority that we might have to serve her. See, the gospel is preached by the way that a husband and wife relates to them, that by the way, that, that, and the way the wife submits and the way a husband serves. But can I tell you something, and this is important, I want you to hear this. This is maybe my favorite statement in the whole message. Submission is not to be ordered, but offered. Okay, submission is not to be ordered but offered. I've heard people sit in my office and say, well, I'm the head of the house. And I'm going to tell you something. If you ever hear that, you're not. Like, like if you ever think that, I just want you to know from the beginning, if you have to say that, you're not. And it's never to be ordered, but it is offered by her, right? It is her responsibility to be in surrender and obedience to the Lord. And it's our responsibility as husbands to love our wives sacrificially as Christ loves the church, right, in honor means that she is served, she is preferred. When we go on vacation, my wife loves the beach. And so when we go on vacation, I want to go to the beach. She loves seashells. She loves those kind of things. I could care less about seashells. They mean nothing to me. But me and my little boy, we will get out on the beach and we will find those seashells with our toes that are round. And when we find one, we have a competition to find the right ones. And when we find that perfect little shaped seashell, my little boy will run with everything he's got back to his mama, relaxing on the beach in her little chair, enjoying the sun to say, Mama, look what I found to you. And I want to tell you something. We've got to raise young men that understand what it looks like to show honor, that understand what it looks like to love their wives and, and to be in that. Do me a favor, parents. Moms, do not make all the decisions for your son. We have got to be a people that are raising men, that are teaching them uh, and letting them act like men, that are teaching them to honor, that, that out of honor and love what happens in a marriage relationship. See, God has called us and commanded us to lead men, and out of that, there's this beautiful thing that takes place, and our wives are willingly ready to follow. And listen, he says, this is so important, men, that you lead in this way. It's so important that you serve your wife in this way and that you show her honor and that you do these kind of things, that you show her honor, that he gives this, this tangible piece of that that says, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Men, your relationship with your wife affects your relationship with God. I want you to see that. He says, listen, your relationship with him, or your relationship with her affects your relationship with him. And also, by the way, it is an intimate relationship with him that prepares you for an intimate relationship with her. It's time alone with the Father that prepares us for time with our spouse. And that's the way that God has designed this thing to work. See, we spend daily time in the Word, men, and we then spend time with her. We date our spouse. There's a longing that they have to be pursued and to be loved and to communicate in that way. And it doesn't take fancy things, but it takes intentionality. It takes all those things, right, that we look at and we honor her. We give preference to her in those things. We show her. We know her. We spend time with her and we do things that she likes to do and we serve her. And see, what happens is, is there's this picture of, of honor. Honor earns authority. We don't demand authority. Honor earns authority. Honor demonstrates that. And the problem with most Christian men, the problem with people in our culture is that we try to take authority in places that we should be showing honor and we become passive in places that God has commanded us as men to be strong and to walk and to lead our families. God's plan says, listen, we want to honor her in such a way, we want to lead in such a way that our prayers are not hindered. See, we come to the Lord in prayer and we are dependent on Him with everything. When we come to the Lord in prayer, we recognize that there are things that in our strength that we cannot accomplish and we come in dependence to Him and we ask Him to do things that we long to see accomplished. And if we as men use our power to serve ourselves, then why would God use His position of power to serve us? But God in His position of power, that is the gospel, by the way, that He who is powerful and strong, serves the weak. 
And through the gospel, we are changed and we are transformed. We are equipped with His Spirit and enabled to live as He calls us to. And we reflect. We reflect His image. We reflect Christ when we use our position of power to serve. Men, may we pursue our wives by our desire to know her more. And it changes. So we pursue that constantly. In the midst of that, our prayers are not hindered. Number two, togetherness is achieved. We live together. That's this picture of living together. Honor is demonstrated. The gospel is proclaimed. And so I want to leave you with some takeaways for this week, and we're done. But I want to encourage you to do four things. I saw these in a Chucky Swindle devotion. Um, just a really good uh, truth in this. And, and the one was this. just modified a little bit, but it says, spend time as a couple and write down four qualities. So this week, if you're married, I want to encourage you, spend time as a couple and write down four qualities you appreciate most about your spouse. Very simple. Number two, using this passage that we looked at today as a guide, admit one thing. Now, make sure you listen to this. Admit one thing that you would like to change about yourself in regards to the treatment of your spouse. Now, don't mess this up. Don't come up with things you want her to do different or that you want him to do different. This is about yourself. Come up with one thing you would like to change and then pray and seek God's help in changing that way. If you're struggling this morning with your role as a husband or a wife, seek out uh, some wisdom in the midst of this. We, we are missing so much. Titus 2 relationships, this, this concept of older men and older women coming alongside uh, those that are, that are coming behind them, right, and teaching them what it looks like to live godly lives, to be godly husbands, to be godly uh, wives, to walk in that. We need those relationships. So if you're here and you say, you know what, I would love that kind of relationship, let us know. We'll try to connect that. But better yet, look for somebody that you look at their marriage and you say, you know what, I need that kind of encouragement in my life. And I would like to, I want to invite you into my life. Would you be willing to spend time with, and maybe if you're older and you're in that thing, or you've been through ups and downs, no matter what your age, and you have some wisdom to share, seek out someone that you could mentor, someone that you could come alongside of. Because here's the truth, no matter where you're at this morning, no matter what things that, that you are dealing with, with God, all things are possible. We're going to come and we're going to sing uh, just a closing song of worship, but I want to remind you, with God, all things are possible. And we come and we say, God, I trust your ways. God, I trust your ways. I trust that you know best because you've designed me and you've designed uh, all of us and you've designed us according uh, to your plan. And so I'm going to trust your ways and I'm going to try your ways. God, I'm going to attempt that and I'm going to leave the outcome. I'm going to be who I'm supposed to be. And God, you help me to conform to your image and the way I love my spouse and the way I, I walk in this and I'm going to trust the outcome to you. And so I want to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes as the band comes. I want to just pray for us as, as, as we get started, but I want to encourage you. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're connected online this morning. Maybe you're in this room, and maybe God speaks to your heart and says, you know what, maybe there's some men in this room that he says, hey, it's time to lead, but it's time to lead with loving, gracious leadership, and, and I pray that every man under the sound of my voice that we would understand that God has designed us, right? We are created, right, for, for, for a purpose, right, and that we are to pour our lives out for our brides, for our pursuit of God, and for our pursuit of our spouse. Matt Chandler says that we are to go to bed tired. Every man in this room, we ought to go to bed tired from pouring our lives out for our family, from, from walking in obedience to God, and from loving them in that way. And I just want to encourage you, wherever you're at in this room, you say, God, I'm going to take a step in the right direction. I want to, I want to walk in obedience to your plan, Lord, and I need power. I need strength from your spirit. It may be that you want to come and pray this morning. It may be that Somehow we can come alongside you. But I want to pray for us, and we're going to worship uh, the Lord. If you've never trusted Jesus and surrendered, maybe you're like me, and you'd say, you know what, there's never been a change in my life. I want to remind you that, that when Christ is on the inside, it makes a difference on the outside. It doesn't mean we're never going to fall into sin. But I want to tell you, if you've never repented of your sin and surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, then this morning I want to invite you uh, to do just that, to turn from your sin and to turn to Him, and just in surrender to allow Him to transform you from the inside out and to equip you to live the life of a Jesus follower. Lord, we thank you so much, God, for your grace and your glory. God, we pray, uh, God, and ask for your help in this place. God, and those that are listening and watching uh, online, Lord, we pray, God, that you would meet us exactly where we're at, Lord, that you would, in the power of your Spirit, convict us of sin, Lord, and that you would help us to walk in obedience to you. God, if there's someone that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that today, Lord, would be their day of salvation, Lord, that they would uh, turn from their sin and that they would surrender their life to you. Lord, we love you. Thank you, and we ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand and worship?